Hey, Scott with Leading Edge Archery podcast coming at you with Mr. Blake Kidder. He was on a couple weeks ago. Yep. Well, it's actually two weeks ago. The man Bridger Deaton and Jason Tabanski. Man, I went out last night and had a couple beers. Yeah. I'm a lightweight. Literally a couple. <laughs> You're I'm a small, total cheap date, bro. You know, a small funny? guy. You <laughs> it's just less alcohol a, your body can absorb. There's just less guy. alcohol able to God. be absorbed in that thing man i'm telling you i mean i had two of these things called peanut butter stouts i had fun at last night man it was fucking well i'm hurting today i, I, I got my left eyes all swollen i don't know why we have Jason our, thinks i have pink eye yeah. <laughs> someone farted on your pillow yeah dude something god dang it dude i drew now you get it <laughs> yeah yeah you what's serious? her name what's her name fecal matter in, <laughs> fecal matter in your eyes <laughs> Save it right. Yeah. Is this G rated or what? No, <laughs> no, not anymore. Not. I drove oh by. God. I drove by Main Street, and I right as I was driving by, Leah was rolling out, and I oh, saw your real? truck and yeah. Jesse's truck. I was going to stop and do some art on your truck, but <laughs> you I asshole. couldn't get out. <laughs> uh, my legs kind of gave out on me. And uh, I couldn't, yeah, okay, I couldn't gotcha. get no, out. It was fun though. We went to trivia night last night. Fuck, Bridgers actually. You're He's a pretty smart. Cookie. I always say well, I'm good at trivia. Yeah, he's, he's really good. Him and the, Leah both were like rocking it. Like, he's the king of useless knowledge. Time. Oh, dude, it's so fun. much fun. Tuesdays. So much fun. Is it Tuesdays? Tuesday nights. Free um, roam. Free yeah. roam. Free roam. Trivia, beer, beer good Bernie. food. Win 50 bucks. Nice. You want 50 bucks? No, you can. Oh, like the winning you. team wins a $50 gift. Sweet. That's trivia. five beers. That's five beers. I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty fun, though. Was the burrito truck there? No, but say one thing, it sucks. So there's a truck there that apparently has the best bratwurst on planet Earth. Fridays. Yeah, guess what? Only on Fridays. Oh, they're not doing it now because of Lent. They're doing a shrimp po'boy. They're doing shrimp po'boys now because of Lent. Hey, this I'm is Bernie, down. dude. I'm Come not on. down. I want freaking bratwurst. God, well, let's, let's go shoot get something and take it over to Klein's. <laughs> <laughs> I've got <laughs> yeah, some in the freezer. Yeah. Damn, dude. I was looking forward to those. I couldn't believe it's, the ladies told yeah, me. Yeah, and they only do it on Fridays. That's what she was saying. Yeah, yeah, Friday, Saturday. We need to get that guy in, in here. Yeah, the owner of Freedom. Cool. cool. He's cool. Yeah. I met him. I met him Ex outside. Ball player, major league ball player, too. Yeah, he's a pitcher for the Giants. Giants, yeah. Cool. So, so anyways, um, man, yeah. we just got back from Foley. I mean, all the other guys got back from Foley. I had to stay here and run this god darn shop, which just pissed me off. I'm not kidding. You were busy. That. We were busy. We had a good Friday and Saturday, but it still sucked. You know what? After seeing the scores in Foley, it was just, it would have been a donation. Dude, what the hell's going on, Deaton? Like the scores are ridiculous, bro. That was bro. the first course, first day course we shot was like it was long, like no joke. It was a long course. Second day, I think what's his name get forty. He shot forty eight. He was posting the other day and didn't uh, make it. Yeah, yeah didn't took come, fifty didn't to make close. it. Took fifty to make it to the shootout. Fifty, bro. Remember the days? I'd say probably about four years ago. You could say, hey, if I could shoot twenty up each day, each day I'm right yeah. there. I'm right I'm in there. It. Well, and, no like you're Jack. almost guaranteed in it at yeah. 40 up. No, not anymore. You ain't even playing. Dude, 60 up was Jimmy. Yeah, he shot 30, first, 30 both days. First what place. happened to him? He just fell apart in the shoot. He couldn't see. A lot, of, see. Guy, a lot of guys were having uh, like vision issues in there. Huh. So with fluorescent, I mean, you know, oh, shooting in here, light fluorescent lights, like you yeah, get zero everything. texture on the targets and well, like couldn't see core lines. lines and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that K forty five shooter, a gentleman out of Oklahoma, Lawson. I don't know how to say his last name. Is it Vet? That uh, basically K forty five cleaned it. I shot nineteen twelves on day one and finished up sixty two for the weekend. God. Oh my god! The scores are ridiculous. Dude, this kid's on fire. That's I, crazy, I control, dude. I don't get it. Yeah, and then the senior gnome pro, 
a lot of the the open pro guys yeah, moved down fags <laughs> yeah <laughs> that just ticked me off gillingham's such a wuss it I wasn't know, just I, him there was a couple others i, know, I think taz moved down as well too no taz is shot open. tony shot yeah. tony shot open yeah, tony open. shot open yeah I saw a couple other names. I just can't believe Gillingham chickened out and become a bliss ball. Hey, he's he didn't chicken out. That's just his game, bro. Whatever. His, he's won everything in unknown. That's one of his classes. Man, bro. He has been the biggest class. proponent of known archery. Like he was one of the first pros. Yeah, I know. He actually, like, we need to do yeah, that. Yeah, I think he he manned up and just kept judging. No, now he's he going to now he's going to go and just smoke everybody unknown senior known. But he didn't win this weekend. No, no, no. But Randy Randy Morocco mm-hmm. shot really well. <clears throat> Yeah. Oh, yeah, great. There's He's gonna good be dude. some competition, and I'm gonna tell you, like one guy to watch out for is gonna be Rob Morgan in that class. Really? Yep. Mark my word. Rob uh, was He's... having some issues last year, and talked to him at Vegas at the NABA show, and mark my word, watch what happens with Rob. This He's year. probably like Tate getting tired of getting getting his ass kicked by Paige <laughs> every Paige day all the time. Dude, Paige just go ahead and shoot dudes. She needs to shoot with guys and call it a day. <laughs> I mean, dude, seriously, where should have finished? She would have finished like pretty high up there, wouldn't she? She's just 48, 48, she up. 48 up. So just out. She would have been just down, but still. I Beats mean, half the guys. I, I think Did it's going to, I mean, I was talking to Courtney Bridger's girlfriend about it. And, and don't you guys think potentially that people might just say, screw this? Why shoot against her? No. No. no? They, they haven't said it against Danny or Levi. Kyle Douglas. Yeah, that's a different game. I'm talking about no, just shooting well, arrow to arrow. I mean, not really. It's not that much different. No. I know it's like it's different because it's a different game, but yeah. Dan and Levi have won like every shoot, save for five in the yeah. last five years. It's just going to push some of those like, girls to become better. I mean, kudos to Paige. You know, her hard work pays off. She's She trains. She's really meticulous about her equipment. And, you know, some of these other young ladies that are coming up and girls that are competing against her now are just, they're going to step up and it's going to create more competition. Well, so, yeah. No, nobody thought anybody could beat Ronda Rousey, and now she got her face kicked in twice. And there's, yeah, that's true. And there's, you know, ten times as many women that are, would have been competitive against her. Now, I mean, like it just, yeah, top, in my opinion, it, it just, just makes you hungry. You. Somebody go catch. It, it elevates the rest well, of the sport I mean, too. It's, you know, I'm going to bring something up about, you know, fitness, but look at Matt, Fra- Matt Frazier and Rich Froning. Rich Froning was the all-time legend of the CrossFit world. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, out of Vermont, here comes this young kid, Matt Frazier. Yeah. I mean, so having someone. Yeah. Of- Anytime somebody is like elevated above everyone else, it raises the whole field. Yep. Because everybody else is going to start chasing. And yeah. you're seeing that in every class. You're seeing it in open pro. You're seeing Dude, it in crazy. pro. You're seeing it in, I mean, K45. I mean, every class. I mean, the sport of archery is evolving and getting more and more competitive. Yeah, and they had how many archers? 2,000 plus. Just over 2,000, yeah. And that's a record. Not quite 21. That's a record for Foley. That's crazy. Yeah. How many many did you guys have? Five on a bail? No, we were at 88, so there was only a couple. Yeah, well, we had two sit-outs on. We ended up with two sit-outs on Friday, and we plan to sit outs on saturday so we like move through just fine gotcha that's not bad bad. At all. with 88 that's not bad at all Mm-mm. last year was ridiculous last year we had 120 i think mm-hmm. some ridiculous number that's you never well i think a lot of guys went over to senior no, i was shooting with all you young punks last year which sucks oh yeah so they all moved to senior probably and <clears> got smart and some people were shooting indoor nationals too mm. so there was yeah i forgot about that we had indoor nationals going people on out there. Yeah. dude Another person that's on fire, Chris. Again, holy shit! Eleven, dude. Er, Eleven ninety nine. That is dropped the one. Yeah, 
insanity. Khrushchev. Khrushchev. Oh, did he? Yeah. He missed one. one. Bro, he shot one little 10. He shot 30. What would that be? 38 consecutive 3XNs with 23s over the course of two days. That's unbelievable. That's like on baby 10s, dude. That's scary. Nutty. That's freaking not even nutty. That is shooting with a major chip on your shoulder. <laughs> Seriously, I I think I mean mentally he 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 believes and knows he can't miss. Yeah, he's locked, locked in, real, dude. dude. Yeah, he is. He's locked. He's he locked. is locked in, and and you think NFA five spot is a grind shooting three ends? No, over and a baby over and over no. and over again. Twenty twenty ends. Ridiculous. I'd rather go watch my my grass grow day to day. Is he gonna shoot outdoor? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's, he's gonna be on scary. fire. He's gonna be weird. Well, yeah. hey, what's cool? We had a national champion, little Noah Ross. Noah, yep, he mm-hmm. actually won nationals, dude. Did won Joe really? national, yeah. dude. Ten year old like, is just dirty. He won by like twelve points. Oh, Not wow. just yeah, he didn't he just win. He him. just spanked yep. everybody. I saw him on on Friday when he went to go shoot. He was all yeah. nervous and yeah. didn't know what to do. Talked to him and his dad was just coming off the shooting line. I'm like, dude, just just go out there and have fun. You know what's funny? He said that was the funnest shoot that he's ever been to. Yeah. And he I don't think he had any idea. And then we tell him he's a national champion. He's because it was just at A and M and just those kids there, he didn't he, he didn't understand. No. I'm like, dude, listen, there's fifty states in the country. There's a bunch of guys like you shooting all over the country. Yep. You're number one. You're number one. And he was like looking at me like, Oh wow. I, I think he's almost deal. embarrassed about it. He's dude, more he he's more focused on on winning the the Cywat yeah. stuff. Yep. Yeah, he was out there. Um you had Bo. Uh, yeah, Bo finished third. We had Lily finish Bo third in the country. He had a bunch really of winners. Yeah. yeah. I tell you, so we have this little girl, Ayana Butt is her name, and she's not been shooting bare bow more than, I think, seven, eight months. And uh, I, right now, I think she's ranked number two in the country. Well, she lost to her rival. We've been shooting a while. She lost on tens. Really? Ten counts. Oh. She was furious. <laughs> I asked yeah. her yesterday. I'm like, so, you know, how do you feel about this? She goes, I'm so mad. It just, it's just baloney <laughs> oh she was pissed now, Good. watching the kids shoot was was a lot of fun i had a, a little girl uh, i forget what her first name is last name uh was de hoyos uh-huh. wearing an elite shirt shooting the bell next to me just pounding nice yep she wound up winning her class i'm telling you some of these kids coming up are gonna be unwell yeah. unreal i mean there's some yeah the future is bright for sure that's for sure no doubt so hey gonna be you wait, you gotta do some freaking self-promotion bro for what you listen listen yeah mr he don't want to talk about it. he's mr humble pie what'd you do this week so uh, you hear something funny so did you, did you shooting... shoot a score that nobody else has ever shot before in the history of <laughs> humankind hey, dude, it doesn't no, so get this. if you break your own record so i'm si- i'm sitting here in the shop we're busy as hell and i get this text message this place is freaking dark <laughs> and I'm, it was and a couple minutes later i just shot a freaking seven <laughs> and then he's like five minutes later I just shot another seven. <laughs> and then right after that, Dude, about an ha- hour later, I set two national records. <laughs> with two sevens. <laughs> with yeah. two freaking sevens. Well, at least you shot some sevens so you know you can go back next year and beat it again. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was a little dark. The, the bales were a little bit dark. It was a little fuzzy out there. First of all, my face hurt because I ate shit on Wednesday. <laughs> and I was telling you guys the story. Yeah, so we got to hear about that, I, I may too. or may not have had one or seven drinks. And I decided it was a good time to fix the cushion on my chair. The only way I can fix the cushion is to get out of my chair. The easiest way is to jump on the pass on the driver's side of my, my van. 
Luckily, there was no cops around because that would have been ugly <laughs> thinking that I was going to drive. How do I explain to them that, it, hey, I got to fix my wheelchair? <laughs> so anyway, I fix my chair and I go to transfer back into it. And normally my legs are really stout and I can like put weight on them and transfer over. Well, I lost my footing because my legs were noodles from says the cripple. Exactly. I lost my footing because my legs were noodles. And uh, wound up going face first into my ramp. God. Got a little. I thought I had broken my nose. Like, I was expecting my nose to be hanging off. And I called Courtney and I was like, I'm sorry. I just disfigured myself. And it was hilarious. I mean, hey, and what's funnier, you were going to do what that day? So the next day, I was supposed to go film exactly. what I thought was a photo shoot. It turned out to be a commercial for like the leading wheelchair company in the world uh, it, the, this commercial is actually going to air in europe and really? a whole bunch of other places oh, yeah. yeah so make i wake up, up makeup more makeup dude, well i thought it was bad because luckily i had some paper towels and they're just blood everywhere i'm like oh my god this is so bad i go into the hotel and it's just like a scratch on my nose and under my eye but i wake up the next day and my face just feels like i got in a fight with mike tyson <laughs> luckily the shoot was outdoors oh, dude, was i had hilarious. sunglasses <clears throat> but when i went to go shoot just anchoring and like kind of squinting a little bit would just hurt so bad and everything was fuzzy <laughs> so i don't oh, know how, how i was able to shoot but it was fun though you know i was i was nervous first time shooting a three spot in competition yeah and then i remembered that i've been doing that here so just kind of buckled down and shot dude you shot your ass off it was good so you broke your own record yeah so the the thing with the record is i i broke somebody else's jeff Fabry's record i think mm -hmm. or something for indoor um but we didn't know the rules so i was shooting baby tens well it turns out that as a w1 because you don't have a peeper scope you can you get the whole 10 right so this time i actually went in and shot the the real the score. right target right right yeah. target yeah it's still badass and <clears throat> i, I kind of did what we talked about uh, two weeks ago i overpressured myself again did you really a You're little bit a and you even hate indoor at the I end do. of the day i, I mean indoor archery sucks i just and I know you hate it with a passion and but still you know, go out there and rake. I learned, I learned one thing. All the changes that I've been doing and working on indoor, changing my form, changing how I shoot, focusing on putting my pins. So last year when I shot outdoor, I shot all my scores by holding my pin like eight, seven line yeah. under the yellow. Yeah. I went and shot two days ago with all the changes I've done, just holding dead nuts in the middle. In and the middle. It's, it's working out. Yeah. So everything that I did do indoors is transferring to outdoors and it's working. So I, I think I might have a soft spot for shooting inside maybe a little bit i know i do yeah i used to hate it oh my gosh you, guys, you would like it because you're weird well it's just i mean it's it's repetition you oh, and okay you and dakota taylor are the only two people i've ever heard only. say that they love indoor i don't love these? it i well, just like it connor i mean what are these they're oh, those tacos are, those are tacos oh you gotta eat these yeah no they're just here for decoration well, it says yes, Courtney e on it one. i didn't know yeah she bought them for work and then didn't go to work God, I gotta love her now because I'm hungry. <laughs> Go ahead, finish up. Scott, Scott's just like I'm picking up rummaging folks. around for a taco, exactly. like a raccoon no, just, digging I'm, through I the trash. Indoor. I do, I'm and therein describes your personality trait, which is weird. I mean, it's indoors good because it gives you. I mean, at least the way I look at it, because I struggle with it every now and again. Like I definitely did this year, but like it's three extra months where you do nothing but shoot your bow Thank and you. work work on getting the feel of your bow right. So. By the time we do get to outdoor season, like I already have the ins and outs of the bow down. Well, it's like, and I at that the, point, I'm just having to tune small arrows to it. It's like I told, I told the guys last time we were on on the podcast is, you know, everyone prepares for Vegas and 
everyone gets upset when they get to Vegas, but in reality, those archers generally just shot their bow for 12 weeks because yeah. they were too, they went from 3D to hunting season to indoor season and didn't have much preparation where like I walked in yesterday and you were pounding a uh, Vegas three spot with your 3D bow, you know, or your, your Redding bow. I don't know what bow it was, but regardless, it was one of your bows. Hell, it may have oh, been yesterday, indoor bow. Yeah. yeah. But it's just getting that shot repetition down that you were mm -hmm. working on. Yeah, you're gonna go shoot state this this coming weekend, right? Yeah. So so our Texas USA deal. Yeah. By the way, I'm not gonna be at work on Saturday. <laughs> you are not. You. <laughs> well, well, huh? you're gonna shoot state. Yeah. Well, What's yeah. It's twelve hundred. Dude, they're giving out twelve hundred bucks on Sunday. Oh, you're going to the TSA state. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the the USA indoor. The USA, indoor. USA. I thought you were Texas going to shoot state indoor. I was gonna laugh my butt. No, off. no, no, no. So. uh Texas Archery over in Houston's doing it. And nice. on Sunday they do like money. a yeah, on Sunday they do like the Texas Open deal. I did it last year too. Mm -hmm. But they take and combine all the compounds and all the bare bows and recurves and whatnot. Uh top sixteen scores from everybody in each discipline and do a bracket. Oh cool. It's like twelve hundred nice. bucks. Given That's away. pretty good. It's a, so, it's like a legit one fifty yeah. shoot. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Normal 150 indoor scoring match play stuff. Sweet. That's pretty awesome. Dang, so. I didn't know that. They're giving me some decent money. Yeah. Hey, yeah, we're so going to call, call the man. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's get we'll a roll. We got, we got a good guest. We're going <clears> to <throat> give him a call right now, see if we can get a hold of him. We'll make sure we can get a hold of him before we say who it is. Mm. Just in case we got a. He'll answer. He's ready. Hunt. And... All I know is that tell Courtney these tacos are amazing. Dude, it's their their Bill Miller okay. box of fifteen tacos. Oh, there he is, the man, the myth, and the legend. All right, folks, we got Mr. Darren Christianberry, pro staff coordinator for Elite Archery and Stud Archer, <laughs> old guy like me. Come on, yeah, Darren, we got we got to so, keep yeah. up with the old dudes. So, ah, uh, good. Yeah, how you doing today? Good. Everything's going good. You guys doing all right? That's awesome. Well, I'm not. I had On a couple a of too many beers night? last night. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I'm, so we get wild Bridger, and Bernie. Bridger decided that we needed to go play like trivia night somewhere. Don't put this on me. <laughs> this is not, I just I'm agreed to it. I'm not mad at <clears> you. <throat> I'm just like Tuesday night's a good night to tie one on, I suppose. <laughs> 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 no and i didn't mean to we were drinking some stout some like peanut butter stout beer it was dark and i'm a lightweight he really didn't guy. mean to but somebody gave him a second <laughs> two, one two yeah. did it, huh? there you go I, I, two I, of them did it for me i, I take him on a date. date right there that's right that's a that's a cheap <laughs> date no we just got done talking about the the foley shoot and you know, so what did uh, from the manufacturer's perspective? Oh, yeah. Good and, turnout, I mean, good tournament for y'all. We pull a trailer down there, and we, you know, we do, uh, we do a parts and service warranty type of thing to a, a limited scale. We can't do a lot of stuff, but we can do some minor repairs and different things like that. But we sell apparel um, that a lot of people can't get their fingers on or can't see in person unless they just order it from the website. And a lot of times we might run a little bit of a, a discount on a certain item or a couple of items or even some closeout stuff. We'll throw in a bin and five and $10. And we sold a pile of stuff this past weekend. So the, what we see on the ranges, what we see 
uh, in interest in people shooting our demo bows. We have, you know, we bring a right and left-handed model. Uh, we don't have a left-handed era yet, the Carbon Era, but we have a right and left-handed model of every current bow we have. And people can come to the trailer and shoot them, ask questions, change the draw length, change different mods, get a good feel for it. And all of that's in hopes that they go home and go see their local dealer and, and order a bow. You know, that's, that's there to promote the brand. And but yeah, gotcha. tons of engagement, tons of interaction at the trailer. Um, we also do Scott and CBE contingency at the trailer. They sign up on a computer and then I handle all the elite contingency for the pros and amateurs. And I don't know, we had several submissions and a lot of wins in the amateur classes this weekend well, or this weekend as well. So yeah, from a manufacturer standpoint, 2,000 plus shooters with their families, perfect weather, man, you can't beat it. It's just, that's what we hope for when we get there. And Foley was just a perfect example of what we want. Yeah, you know, it's awesome because, um, unfortunately, I didn't get to go, which really sucked because I was looking forward to shooting yeah. in the, uh, the yeah. new known pro old man class. And, um, yeah, I have a shop to run, unfortunately. And, I, matter of fact, if you know anybody that needs a job, they, the one requirement like is it. they have to not like archery. Um, so not like it so I can make them work <laughs> while I'm out shooting because my entire staff, and I mean literally my entire staff was oh, shooting yeah, either yeah. Foley or Indoor Nationals. And, um yeah, and I just, and it was weird because somebody made a comment. So, are you going to close Friday and Saturday? And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, nobody's going to be here. Yeah. And I was like, what? It makes, it this makes is like sense on Sunday. To me now. <laughs> and, and then I figured out that, yeah, and I just, you know, I'm, I can't close the building. Yeah, you need down some, for two you days. need some people that hate archery. So, I, exactly. Some people <laughs> that just don't know how to work on a boat but don't like it. Don't like the sport. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be a tough, tough pill to swallow. I tell you that. No, but anyways, I, I didn't get a chance, but I had heard so many amazing things that it was like record crowd. And you know what's kind of weird? Blake is going to jump on my on, on my crap right here in a second. But you know, you've been hearing about all the doom and gloom with the economy and how things are going to be this year. And uh, we actually really tempered back our purchasing because of it. And uh, man, we're just not seeing it yet. I mean, record crowd at Vegas. I think Lancaster was a record. Um, I don't know. Yeah. This one's a I'm pretty sure this one is a record. Yeah, and then this Foley was a record attendance for for this shoot, it, and it, it just is. seems and, like there's and, no stopping. And I can it. understand. I, I guess I can understand. I, I can explain what I'm talking about. Um, our sales team. I, I sit in on some sales calls, and I'm not in sales, but I. It's important for me to know what they're doing, so marketing knows what they're doing, uh, and just kind of have a feel for things. Well. I know the sales management push our reps, you know, dealer count, dealer count, orders, accessories, accessories, accessories. Every dealer's full or was full. And my fear with the economy the way it was when gas hit $5 a gallon, diesel fuels $45 a gallon, whatever it is, you know. Um, I was I was afraid that people <laughs> yeah. would go to online shopping. They would just sit at their house. Hey, I'm not going to drive to my local shop, or I'm not going to drive the hour I typically go see my favorite dealer. I'm not going to drive the two hours it takes to go see this guy where I typically buy my bow. I kind of thought gas prices, it, it affected me. I just thought, man, it, it, I'm not going to do any unnecessary running. I'd go to Walmart every two or three days to see what kind of ammunition they had, you know, just on a little scavenger hunt. And I cut that out right. because I thought, ah, that's nonsense. I don't need that. And gas is five bucks a gallon. So I really was worried what our business would be like for us, you know, as a manufacturer trying to sell product to dealers and dealers 
you know, which they forecast. They program all this stuff. They get all this stuff in and hopes they sell it. Well, then if everybody switches to online selling, they don't walk through those doors. Right. They can't move it. So I was worried about that. But I agree. Archery, anything outdoors, camping, fishing, archery, hunting, I think people will skip a house payment to buy their new bow. I, you know, I, I really do. I feel that way. And, <laughs> and I guess we're kind of lucky in that sense as we work yeah. in an outdoor industry or you have a shop where you sell archery products because, uh, again, I think they'll skip a, maybe maybe not pay their credit card off this month and go buy a new bow. You know, maybe not pay their house payment this month and go get their yeah. new whatever. But uh, I, I feel like I, I don't see it, you know, with as expensive as everything is and then you have record attendance at every single archery tournament. Um, man, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good feeling or it's a better feeling or it's better than I anticipated it would be. Well, we got so many new archers coming into the sport now too. So, you know, the couple that we probably, you know, inevitably lost because of the rising prices of stuff we gained back and then, you know, and then some with new shooters. Cause I mean, hell, even just us, we had probably what, like 10 people that had never been to Vegas, go to Vegas this year. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And we, so five or 10 of, yeah, and we get just out of our shop alone. Brand. I mean, I, we have a lot of usual suspects when it comes to podium finishes or wins when I do the contingency after an ASA. But I have a lot of people, I think there was six or seven new people that I had to send a W 9 tax form to because we have to have one of those on file before we send them contingency checks. But six or seven new people. You know, whether they're new to the brand or never won before, whatever the reason is, but it seems like every tournament there's new faces or new people rising to the top. So um, maybe beginners, maybe kids, maybe seasoned veterans, but our brand is getting momentum. The archery is maintaining momentum or even growing, and, and it's a good thing, especially if you make a paycheck from the archery world. It's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's been it's been a, a blessing to, to see the growth right now in in uncertain times. And I agree with you. I think that people are finding a way to keep themselves engaged in the sport. You know, and heck, we're seeing a lot of crossover now coming over from the gun world. You know, I get a lot of guys coming in, and because yeah. it is getting expensive to have guns, you but know, and to shoot them. You've got all those you've got all those people that were tied up during COVID that couldn't go out and shoot a yeah. gun, and they yeah. came in bought a bow because they could shoot in their backyard, and yeah. now there's two years later they're starting to figure yeah. out tournaments and wanting to travel and it's a lot <clears throat> well, cheaper you, than you know what's crazy one of my biggest i think transfer you know i call it conversion from bow hunter to target archer we're seeing a lot of that i'm training three guys now three of these gentlemen are in their uh, mid to late 50s up into 70 all three of them are wanting to learn i'm tre- oh, wow. teaching them how to shoot a hinge release and all of them now yeah and every one of them are going right. to actually transfer into 3d archery because they're, I'm trying to, and it's just, it's awesome to watch these guys do this because these guys yeah. want to be really good hunters is their goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I told them, go out and shoot some 3D, do it, you know, and apply that trade for that three or four months before hunting season. Yeah. And they'll be no, shocked at awesome. what they can do with that bow. That's you know, awesome. Come, How do you- come big bull elk. <laughs> yeah. I was just telling, I was just telling a dealer the other day, the exact same thing. You know, they were, they were complaining that so many of these archers that, you know, walk into their shop that are bow hunters mm-hmm. or even 3D guys that are like, man, you know, they come in here with all this target equipment, they buy used, they buy it online, or they're going to these tournaments and buying products from the manufacturers there. And he was, I just let him stand on his soapbox. And I asked him, I said, well, you know, Mr. Dealer, what, what are you going to do about it? 
He goes, well, what do you mean? What am I going to do about it? I'm like, well, listen to what you're saying. I said, you're basically telling me that your customers are wanting target archery equipment. You need to ask yourself why they're not buying it from you. Yeah. He goes, well, I don't stock it. And therein lies the problem. There's the problem. And he was like, well, I can't afford to stock all this target equipment that they're buying. I'm like, look, man, you don't have to stock everything. Let's, you know, whether whatever manufacturer you choose or decide to carry, I said, let's start with one site. Let's start with a set of bars. Let's start with two hinges. Yeah. You know, let's just get some product in your shop that if a guy comes like, hey, I'm getting into target archery. Uh, what do I need or what do you have? You know, let, let people know you have it because right now, if they walk into your shop and they're There's interested nothing. There's nothing. and you have nothing on the wall, yeah. they're, the they're, not, they're not even going to ask you about it. They're going to go back to the buddy that told them to go to your shop and check out what he has for target archery yep. and say, Hey, he didn't have anything. So where do I buy it? Yeah. And they're going to go to the Lancasters or archery talk, archery or, talk, yeah. or, you know, buy online from their buddies. You know, so, and, but the other thing to that too, and I've, I've experienced this when I, before I opened this shop, you know, or I guess my question for that dealer for you is, does, do they shoot a bow competitively? Um, they used to. Yeah. Well, see that's, therein lies the problem. I think we're so successful during these slow months, we call it because, our entire staff shoots. Mm-hmm. Hell, I still compete and shoot the highest level I can. And I think that adds a lot of credibility, you know, for you as a shop. And man, we want to, you know, we want to help drive that adoption rate as much as we can and get those people in the target archery. That is what keeps you busy year round. Oh yeah. I think between target archery and then like, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole here, but tack as well. I mean, look at, That's a whole new genre of archer. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at tack season for you. Yeah. You know, and I'm Tack's talking insane, to the dealers dude. in Oklahoma right now. And I had a couple of dealers, call some fill-in orders like yeah man i gotta load up for tack and i'm like yeah well, i mean there you go so i mean yeah. those opportunities are out there for guys they just got to take advantage yeah, of them absolutely there's no doubt but i just know you made a great Darren? point when you said does the owner shoot i can remember back when i started i had no clue what i was doing you know i i, I loved archery but i was leaning <laughs> on i was leaning on my local shop as my information base and i saw him shooting a beautiful right. PSE. Well, I don't even remember what it was. Had a fluorescent yellow riser with white limbs and all these different colors. Uh, I don't even know what it was. That was back in 1991, 92. Yeah. So, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, I know exactly and, what and that I bow was. Guy, <laughs> I shot it. He, he, he knows his stuff. He's shooting his fancy equipment. I'm, I depended on him. What do I need? You know, he was my information source. And you can't sell a secret. If you don't have it, you can't sell it. You know, and if you don't have it, and you tell them they need it, they're going to go somewhere and buy it. They're going to go somewhere and spend their dollars, you know? So I guess that's exactly right. You know, when I, yep, I looked up absolutely. to him for information, advice, you know, whatever, and equipment, he's the only place I knew at that time. And, you know, obviously with social media and online shopping, you can buy anything anywhere at any time. But I, I truly, I believe that statement that that shop is the mentor and the information source for the guy that walks in the door. And if you don't have it, you sure can't sell it. Yep. And you could, you hit the nail on the head with that one because I, you know, even as a here in the San Antonio market, I remember traveling to like, we have like wow. eight shops within a 50 mile radius. And I remember going, I remember going to all of them and I'm like, the, my, one of my first questions, yeah. does the owner still shoot a bow? And they just, they just don't, most yeah. of them don't shoot anymore. They just kind of yeah. put a side I, on, put a rest on and go. So well, there's a couple that shut down. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're all disputing Scott's claim. Oh, there's there's eight. Do we count? Can we, can we name them right now? Can we name them right now? 50 miles, go for it. 50 miles? This is really simple. Mesquite. Mesquite. 
was okay. I can't count the bow shop even though he closed down. No, you can't. Oh, you Bullcrap, did count him. Mesquite bow shop, Bucks and Does, Mission Ridge, um, us, James up in uh, up in whatchamacallit, and there's God, I know there's two more. Gasman's. Gasman's, um, are you kidding? That's like 20 years ago. There's eight. Trust That's me. Where I I've counted it. <laughs> your boy down there in uh, your boy down Third. there in uh, in Ple- Pleasanton down that South way. I can't remember his name, Brush Country, or whatever it is. There's not a dealer down there. Yeah, there is. Um, oh, Rusty Fugate runs it. Yeah, there is. Sorry, bro. Oh, Anyways, um, hey, Darren, got a question. Did you yeah. shoot? Did you shoot this past weekend? I did. How'd you do? Um, pretty good in the grand scheme of things, I guess. I finished sixth. I was first guy out to shoot off. Oh, um, yeah, I went down. I, I drove the trailer down Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening. I got into Foley just before eight p.m. Dropped the trailer at the event site, went and got dinner, hotel, went back over there first thing, put the trailer where it was going to sit for the weekend, did like my internal initial setup, hanging up stuff on pegboards and things. And I don't know, 11 o'clock, 1130 in the morning, I step out of the trailer, wind's howling. I was like, well, it doesn't make any sense to shoot my boat today because there's, I'm not going to find anything I didn't have. I practice all the time. Right. Um, so I thought I really don't need, I know I got a good sight tape. I know my bow's good. I'm going to grab my range finder and go to the practice range. I was out there for, I think, a little over three hours. I judged 128 targets Jeez. on I figured, Tuesday and Wednesday. I figured you yeah, said you were out I, there waiting in line for three hours. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I, I, I didn't. I went out and just I just walked, and I tried not to pay attention to where I was standing because, you, you know, if you stand at the stake and judge one and then yeah. you come back to it an hour later, you're like, oh, I, I, that was 41. Right, You know, right. you can yeah. see there. So right. I really tried to not pay attention to where I was standing, and, of course, I'm talking to people in and out of different targets, but – Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday morning to Wednesday, I judged 128 targets. That's wow. boring as crap. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I really, I, go ahead. Sorry. I got a question for you. How, is it any different judging left-handed? <laughs> it is not. <laughs> it is, it is yeah, not gonna, any different judging left-handed. We're going to talk about that here in a minute, so <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> but I, ju- I spent a lot of time the, the, I, I, I noticed two or three things. I was over judging the odd dad consistently by two plus yards every time i was judging the javelina as perfect as you could ever want to judge that thing every single time so just a couple of notes going into my round i was like okay perfect you can probably aim aggressive at the audad you can probably aim aggressive at the javelina because you're nailing these suckers just a couple little notes i made we go out to shoot our round friday morning first target's like i don't know 39 yard brown bear i 12 it Second target's like a 48-yard turkey. I just missed the 12 on it. Third target's like a 47-yard black buck. I 12 it. I'm like, holy crap. This is awesome. This is exactly (laughs) how I want it to start. Yep. So I drew the order. I was fourth on the first target, so I got to watch three guys shoot in front of me. I was third on the second, second on the third. Next target up, I'm leading. Havelina. I'm like, perfect. I'm nailing this thing every time I see it. I look at it. I'm listening to arrows because the group in front of us hadn't finished yet. And I'm like, man, it's just a little over 40 yards. Just a little over 40 yards. I know this thing. So I thought, I'm going to shoot 42, make a good shot. I hit it down on the leg, shot a five. Are you kidding me? And I'm like, I have nailed this thing every time I've seen it. So anyway, long story short, I shot that five, shot another eight, shot another five. I I went from four up and got to 12 down with just a few targets to go. 
and then hit three twelves late, got the six down the first day. You know, it's not horrible, but with the way I started and the way I had practiced and as good as my bow is, I was hoping for a little better. Now, granted, the ranges were tough as crap. So then I go and I shoot my bow, make sure everything's just feeling good, uh, shoot the next morning to warm up, go back out, same start, 12, 10, 12, perfect. I'm only two down for the weekend. Get to the javelina, guess what? Shot another five. Oh, so no I'm kidding. Like, oh, you, yeah, so I only left the 10 ring twice on Saturday. I shot one eight, and I shot one five, and I end up shooting one up on an extremely tough course. Um, last target, well, last three or four targets, the guys in the group are like, Darren, man, you're, you're shooting good. Hit a couple of these last few 12s here, and you might manage to shoot off. So I've got these nerves going, thinking, man, I'm, I'm close. This is where I want to be, uh, and handled that awesome you know if you get a nervous arrow i mean one of our targets like a a 49 yard turkey i 12 to 50 yard wolverine i'm like oh this is awesome last target's like a 43 yard russian boar and i thought man if i 12 this one i might have a chance that'd get me to five down for the weekend and i 12 it so five down for the weekend but it took two down to make the shoot off so that last arrow did bump me from like ninth place up to six so i'll make a few hundred extra dollars off that last arrow but just so close i really want to get in the shoot off they want me to do commentary which you know that's fine people seem to like it but i really want to be out there yeah. showing off showing <laughs> off for the crowd in the shoot off is exactly. what i want to do exactly man that's a great weekend though i mean that's you yeah, can't it's, it's, it sucks that your that your your money targets you kind of bailed on them a little bit that's, that's that blows know. It, it, it's just <clears> like you go you step up to the stake with all the confidence in the world right and you no no doubt no doubt i've got this one and was then it, you break the shot and you watch the arrow hit it in the foot and you're like that was dumb so was it just you a know? flat <laughs> was that just a flat out misjudging yardage basically yes both of them yeah. i missed them both by three yards aiming probably a little too aggressive you don't need to 12 a, a 42 yard have a heck no um, <laughs> you just don't need no. to but when you when you look at it and judge it the way i had judged it i had no i, I had no doubt hey no. i can hit that that's no problem um yeah if so i you, had just you, you know, you know what's, fives and four eights yeah that's that's crazy well you know what's unbelievable and I, I, for the listeners i want you to talk through a little bit you know you just went and judged 120 targets basically and people don't realize in your class shooting the unknown division um you spend more time behind that glass judging than you do actually shooting your bow, correct? 100%, yeah. Because yeah. I always see these yeah. guys, you know, they. I think, you know, most of us, the amateurs that go out there, they're getting out there in the bags and just running 300 arrows a day and, you know, shooting the practice course. And really, the name of the game in that unknown game is making sure your numbers are right, correct? It, it is. It, it, you can shoot You can shoot mediocre, Um but if you don't have the numbers, it doesn't matter. If you're a really good shot, mediocre numbers will save you a few points. But just like that on the Javelina, there's no room for error under that 12. You know, if I was shooting at uppers, I probably would be in a different position. But I'm, I, I started shooting ASAs way too early. Yeah. I, I can't figure this upper game out. You know, like, <laughs> oh, I just aim center and add a couple yards. I'm like, if I'm not aiming at it, I'm not going to hit it. That's you right. know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not that. I don't have that kind of luck when it comes to that. Now, I do play a few uppers, the Black Panther, the Lynx, uh, typically the medium deer because it sits so low in the belly. That's three yep. targets, regardless of the distance. I typically shoot the upper 12 on those, but I still have yet to this day. I used to have really feel like I was a good course manager. I had a good course management skill. Right, right now, it's like rolling the dice because – 
I don't know what I'm going to do from target to target. And that's yeah. a horrible game plan. Yeah, so sucks. that's something I really need to work on. Uh, and I will continue to work on it as weather gets better. And I'm, you know, finally got my shot good enough where I'm like, okay, you can play this game. Let's find a good game plan and go out there and execute it and then see what happens. So right. I'm excited moving forward every day. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. So I wanted to talk through one thing that a lot of people may or may not know, that you actually went into a dexterity change, what, two years ago now? Mm-hmm. Uh, the two years this June. Two years this June. So switching over from right hand to left hand, um, you know, what caused that? And what's that transition be- been like? And um, it's got to be tough. It, it's Yeah, it was tough. I. June of 2019, we were right in in the middle of IBO season and ASA season being like back-to-back overlap and this, that, and the other. Aaron McGlattery had reached out to me about practice ranges. Hey, we're going to be in Bedford, Bloomington, shooting the IBO, then going to London. You know, where's a good place I can practice near you? I said, come to the house. So she came over, stayed for a couple of days. Wife and I took her out to dinner. We played archery all day long. It was kind of cool to have someone to shoot with. And Aaron loves to move targets around. So I was like, yeah, feel free. You move whatever, yeah, target, exactly. whatever target out you want. You know? so she, was, she was good help to have around here. But anyway, we were outside shooting, and I was like, it started raining one day, so we had to move to indoors. I got an indoor range at home, too. We were shooting, and I was like, I can't hold my bow still at all, you know? And we were talking about it. I'd switch to outside, and I'm like, man, this is weird. So anyway, that's when I noticed it started, June of 2019. It just started gradually getting worse to the point where I still had a big smile on my face, and I'd show up at every event, but I quit signing up for pro-ams. I wouldn't shoot the pro-am at Indoor Nationals. I didn't want to shoot with the kids at Vegas. I was just like, it's embarrassing because my sight picture was bad. I couldn't hit what I was aiming at. Well, then that bled into why practice? Even if I go out and judge and nail every single target to the correct yardage, I can't hit it because yep. I can't hold my bow still. Yep. So I thought this, talked to Nathan Brooks. Nathan, obviously, he works for TOG. Him and I, we've known each other forever. And, you know, what do I do? He's like, man, you need to switch left-handed. He'd been telling me this for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Well, anyway, fast forward two years to June of uh, no, when was that? I got my dates wrong. Anyway, it was a two-year, it was a two-year transition of holy crap, you're you're losing your ability to shoot your bow. To okay, let's make the switch to left hand. We shot the ASA in London, Kentucky, and I shot forty down for the weekend. Just absolutely disgusted, and I said, "That's it, I'm done." I had already talked to some friends of mine that own an electrical business. I used to be an electrician for almost ten years. And I'd already decided I'm done. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to get completely out of archery. I'm going to go back to doing electric work, maybe buy a camper and the wife and I'll, you know, ride off into the sunset, whatever it might be. But I I was literally fed up, frustrated and done. And Nathan said, finally, you know, he's like, dude, do it. Well, after London, I came home and I had a left-handed bow shipped to me from the factory. It was a victory 37. Um, I didn't like the 37. So I put some V limbs on it, made it into a 39. And I started at 10 yards, just like blank bailing, just to see if I could actually get the bow to full draw, execute a shot. And for two weeks, it was like, you know what? This may not be too bad. So a month later was the ASA in Metropolis, Illinois. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to, it may be embarrassing for me, but this is what, this is the hand I'm dealt. So I went to Metropolis and I really shot some awesome arrows. I was like, wow, there might be something to this. So now here we are. 
a year and nine months later and I'm cashing more checks now left-handed than I have the past five years right-handed. So Hell, I mean, you've been uh, you've been pretty damn close to shooting a 300 on a three spot a couple times. I know. Yeah, at the tournament, I, 299 with 22 was my best one day at Vegas. But I have shot several 300s in practice. Um, 326 is my best Vegas round in practice, and I did shoot a 299 with 28 one day. I don't know if that's good or bad. That's good Lancaster story. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but my 12 count starting to come up outside. My I'm strong enough now where I can actually get some holding weight on the bow. I my 3D bow I shot this past weekend was 68 pounds with 14 pounds of holding weight. I came straight home and took my indoor bow off the hook and I changed the holding weight on it because I'm aiming that bow really good. And I thought, man. I'm good. If I can get my indoor bow to 14 pounds, it might have something. Well, I shot till probably 10 or 10:30 last night, and it's fun. I mean, when I can stand there and shoot the arrow in the same hole, that's just—I uh, yeah. get an adrenaline rush from that. It's, oh yeah. I, I see old. Da- I see some flashes of old Darren, and uh, it's it's yeah. exciting because every week I get better. Every month I get a little better. Where a lot of people at 52 aren't getting any better. Right. You know. And I, I feel like I've opened up a, a whole new box of, of, of opportunity for myself. And I just booked my flight for Reading this morning, got all that done, got my gotcha. car and flight. Uh, Blake knows we're going out there. I'm going to have a presence in Reading, but I thought, man, I got to get this done. So I'm excited to get done with Indoor Nationals and come home and start setting up a Reading bow. I'm looking forward to trying that left-handed. Right, so, right. yeah, I'm excited about archery again. <laughs> I so, was in the gutter, ready what, to quit, and now I'm excited every day. So what caused the switch? I mean, did you have a physical problem with your shoulders or eyes? I I, I, I didn't know. It wasn't anything to do with vision. Um, I went to doctors. They thought I had both my knees replaced. So they thought, well, it could be some type of a stability thing. Like, no, I don't believe that. They're like, well, it's got to be shoulder, neck, something. So I had MRIs done, and a doctor said, man, I think I found your problem. I was like, what is it? He said, you have a pretty good sized cyst in your left shoulder. And he showed me the MRI and he said, you see these white lines? I was like, yeah. And you could see they made like a, like a roundabout. Yeah. It looked like a roundabout. He said, that's supposed to be a straight line right there. And I'm like, ah, he said, if we go in there and drain that cyst. And he said, I see you have an old tear in there too. He said, let's go in and repair your shoulder. He said, I think that'll solve your problem. So fast forward two or three months, had the surgery, went through physical therapy, started shooting a, a Genesis bow low poundage and worked into like 40 pound compound after a couple months it didn't change a thing i still had uh a vibration i and i'm not making fun of it but it looks like i have parkinson's disease when i shoot right-handed my arm shakes and even like in my neck at times i can feel it shake i really? cannot hold the bow steady and if you can't hold the bow steady how yeah. are you going to execute a good shot right. so believe it or not switching to left-handed uh, i'm aiming better and better every week and that's it, that's good. So, so you didn't have any issue. Archery is a, you, none. You didn't have any issue with your eyes as far as how you were aiming and looking at a target. Because I'm no, assuming I'm assuming none. you're right eye dominant, correct? I I am. Now I have to wear a blinder on my hat on okay. the right side. Yep. Um, that's probably the hardest thing is the eye dominance because when I get to full draw, whether it be indoors or at 3D, because of my dominant eye, 
I'm usually on the target butt to the left when I get the full drone start to anchor. So I have to, I have to move the bow like three feet to the right to get to my target. Uh, it's really, I used to come either from above or below and now yeah. I come way in from the left. So it's just a weird thing that I've had to learn. Yeah. That's crazy. Cause you know, what we see a lot in here when we get kids in, it's amazing how many kids come in and their dexterity's off, you know, their, their dex, their dominant hand. And it's just, yeah, it's interesting to see that. And we, we kind of force the kids to go to their dominant eye. We think it's going to benefit them in the future I, for sure. If they've never shot, I honestly think that's the best way. Are you right-handed yeah. or left-handed? That's not the first question yep. I would qualify them with. Yep. Are you right-eye dominant or left-eye dominant? Exactly. That's where I would start. Yep. That's exactly yeah. how we do it. We start there and we try that's to get their, perfect. we try to get their dexterity matched with their dominant eye so they don't have that exact issue you're talking about. But um, yeah. that's, dude, that's amazing. If I can learn it at 52, kids can learn it at nine or 10, well, whatever it is, you know. And, and that's what's amazing about it. I mean, for you to do that, you know, in the, in the twilight of your archery career is kind of cool. And then I can hear it in your voice. You are excited. Um, oh, I am. you found Man, a new I, love for I, it. I'm standing here with my headphones on clutching arrows as we speak. And I've got <laughs> crap laying everywhere where before my, my workbench was a ghost town. Cause I, I didn't matter, yeah. you know, go build a different arrow to try. Who cares? You can't hit what you're aiming at anyway. Go out and judge targets and get your numbers right. It doesn't matter. You can't hit it anyway. I mean, everything was starting to collect dust yeah. because, it just didn't matter. And now it looks like the whole world is turned upside down at my house again. I've got archery gear everywhere. Yeah. So his wife, um, his wife's playing. probably like, where'd this guy come from? <laughs> where you been? <laughs> dude, that's right. That's right. I'm out, I'm out shooting and I'm happy. And yeah, they, uh, man, if you take archery away from me, you might as well just hang me up and hang me out to dry. You yeah. Know, put me, oh, put, yeah. put me to sleep. But you know what's one of the hardest things for you, and I, I can relate to what you're talking about. You know, I'm at 54. It just sucks getting old because I'm so used to competing at a high level and shooting pretty darn good archery, and it just gets harder and harder and harder. Well, it sucks. Scott, part of Scott's problem, too, is that he he sets his bow up at 10 o'clock the night before a shoot and then gets all pissed off he doesn't shoot worth a damn the next day. Yeah, when's the last time he practiced? What the heck ever. I can still shoot decent scores. So, anyways, yeah, but it, no, it's it's tough. Well, I'm running an archery shop. I had an old an old fellow friend of mine named Pete Clark, and he made a comment to me when I was opening the shop. He says, "Scott, you're you're one hell of an archer, but you're going to start to be bad." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He said, "The quickest way to be in bad in archery is to open a shop." And you know, I'm I'm thinking, "Gosh, yeah. I got a shop. I can shoot all the time. My my, I'm going to get amazing shoot all day. I'm going to shoot all the time, and I'm going to be so good." And let me tell you what, it does not work that way. Bro, it's, it's the same thing in my world. I got all excited. I'm going to be a rep. I get to go to tournament. <laughs> yep. Don't even get me started, oh, bro. Dude, it it's sucks. like I got into selling bows because i love the sport of archery and now i don't even really get to do what got me into it anymore yeah. it's like what in the hell yeah, yeah. it sucks it's yeah. hard. it does suck work dude in the, work in the archery industry they said it'll be fun yeah oh, oh yeah it's fun so fun you don't get to shoot as much as you want to so i got a yeah. question you said you may i'm going to key on something you mentioned earlier so you guys got a lot of contingency checks running out to some young kids and young archers that are out there and you got to be yep. kind of excited about what's coming up and who's coming up. And these, these kids are amazing. Some of these kids coming up. Oh, it's, it's stupid. I mean, Christian Clark, Aaron Shaw, um, Lawson Vite. I didn't even know Lawson. We last year when we went to Vegas, we took, um, some blank shooter jerseys and we advertised if you shoot a 300 in any of the flights or a non-profession, non-championship class, if you're a non-championship yeah. shooter and you shoot a 300, come by the trader we'll give you a free elite jersey well we had 
four, five, six, seven people shoot 300s came by to get their jerseys. That's how we met Eric Jenkins. Eric shot three 300s. He made the shoot off last year. I'm like, holy crap, where'd this guy come from? Yeah. You know, then Lawson Bite, young kid comes by the trailer. Hey, you know, can I hang my target up? Sure. Did you shoot a 300? Yeah, yeah, I did. I'll take this jersey, you know. Well, and then he ended up getting second, I think, in uh, second in the first flight in the um, – compound unlimited whatever it was anyway i wrote him a contingency check at vegas and then he shows up in foley and this kid shoots his first round and hit 19 12s out of 20 say, we were talking shot, yeah we were talking yeah, about 30, him before we called you yeah 36 up and i'm like where'd this guy come from you know so it makes me wonder how many of those guys are actually out there that don't travel can't afford to travel don't know that the opportunity exists for them. I mean, these little diamonds in the rough seem to be rearing their ugly heads all the time. And I'm like, man, yeah. So 17, 18, 19 year old kids. I mean, uh, Levi Reitzma, Matthew shooter there. He was in the shoot off in the known pro. I mean, he made the shoot off at Vegas. He's 17. Yeah. You know, how's that happen? <laughs> I, I guess it's the, the accessibility to information. I think the learning curve for when I started in the nineties with dial up internet, yep. um, the the accessibility to information and the videos and the tech tips and technology bows are just better than they were 20 years ago yep. bows are better today than they were five years ago yep. um so i think the learning curve for people is better but yeah the the what what chris jack did this past weekend at the usa International was... missing missing one baby out of 120 that's stupid that's just um, disgusting it's like 38 I, ends I think, clean yeah yeah like this is fifth arrow yeah that's just it, ridiculous. That's yeah. It is, and I think we'll, I think we'll see more of that. I think these young kids, oh yeah, that's possible. Okay, I can do that. You yeah. know, and I think that's all it takes is somebody to raise the bar. You know, when Levi started shooting forty up, it was unheard of. Well, next thing you know, Dan's shooting forty up. You got three or four guys shooting forty up, and you know, nobody hit fifty up at a at an ASA in the known pro before. Next thing you know, it's taking fifty just to make the shoot off, and yeah. now someone's hit sixty up. So. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's exciting for me just as an archer to watch good archery because I appreciate what these people are doing. At what Paige does week in and week out, yeah, that's it's awesome. I it mean, is. she can shoot with any man on the planet. Um, and I just I appreciate good archery. I love watching. I love watching people succeed out there because I know how hard it is. Yeah, and it's fun. It just bodes well for the future of the sport, for sure. And it's it's like you said, it's amazing. I We were sitting here talking about the known pro scores a second ago before we got online uh, on, on recording here. And it was just, it's mind-boggling to think 50, you know. Yeah, when, right. when, it, when it first started with the shoot-offs, it was like, okay, if I can hit half of them each like day, if I get 40, day. I'll 40, be I'm in good. it. Yeah. And now it's yeah. like, just barely even cashing a check. Yeah, it's crazy. But I mean, you joke, we joke about, you know, where all these kids coming from, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'll say this because I've been in the sport a long time and you guys are old, but like (laughs) that ain't too dissimilar to like, you know, me when I was 17, like hell, Darren, we've known each other for damn near 10 years. And, oh yeah! First time I shot with you, you were probably what fourteen in Iowa. Yeah, I mean, it, that was at ago. the Iowa Pro Am in Mason City. That year that yep. I met you, it was a year I I shot the highest score for the weekend out of anybody. Yeah, because the men's pro was three down, I think, in a big shoot off, and I shot two down. I shot one down each day. No kidding. But so I mean, and that was like sixteen, maybe. Yeah, I think so. You, you like, were... I mean, there there's always young kids that are going to be 
you know, super competitive. I mean, there's just more of them now. Well, archery (laughs) is becoming a sport for these young kids, just like select baseball and, you know, select soccer. Some of these kids are really diving into archery and, hey, this is my sport. And I think that's awesome. I mean, I kind of wish I had an opportunity to shoot archery at that level when I was younger, but I had no clue about it. I didn't find archery until I was 21 years old. Yeah. Yeah, You got them at university level everywhere well that's the that's the thing you know when darren and i were young we didn't have these kind of opportunities you know we were shooting our local club events and man we we, we called them you know if we were the local hero because we happened to clean up the you know the four courses in our hometown man we just thought we were king of the castle right you know? right i had to wait on 3d times magazine to come in the mail so i could see the 3d <laughs> tournament schedule yeah in the regional yes. areas I yes mean, there was no way to unless you went to a local archery shop and picked up schedules that clubs had dropped off that's yep. the only way you could access information was manually get it yeah now it's like oh you want to go shoot somewhere the world wide web is your friend you know yeah. so well, and I, th- I think that i think a lot of the success of these kids or even going forward is the environment too you know it's just like me making the transition from right to left-handed i've got a 30 by 70 building that's just that's my archery range you know and then i have a bow shop in my basement that's you know my man cave if i didn't have 24 7 access to this i don't know that i would have seen i guess success for lack of a better term this early you know if i had to drive 45 minutes to my local shop to practice left-handed I don't know that I would still be sticking with it. So, you know, people that, you know, have parents that are willing to drive them, kids that have parents willing to drive them to the shop three or four days a week, or they're in the Joad programs or whatever it might be, their environment, what their surroundings probably help with how fast or how quick they reach these goals, I would think as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the kids that are seeing success or, you know, for just what you said, parents that are willing to drive them, a lot of these kids are in here every day of the week. Yeah. No, they are. And yeah. literally, yeah. Well, I, I every have day a, of the week for we three, have, four hours at a time well, yeah. shooting. Um, the Butt family, they came in here and flat out told me, like, dude, can, can we rent a room in here? <laughs> because <laughs> this is the only place my kid wants to be. They don't even want to be home anymore. They're, they get up in the morning, go to school, and she says as soon as they get off the bus, they are freaking, let's go to the shop. I mean, they live here. Um, and it's kind of cool to watch that because you got an entire family there. Besides life, mm-hmm. their entire world revolves around this archery shop and shooting their bow. I mean, there's three little girls. Oh man, it's just amazing. We got some families that are, that are like that. And I think it's just going to be awesome to watch, you know, if you can keep them in the sport and keep them, you know, integrated and happy and having fun, you know, they may, they're archers. Cause that was me. When I was a kid, I grew up in a shop. My dad was a competitive archer and, and I lived in a shop growing up, you know, I was flushing arrows when I was 10, you know, for the local shop. And man, it's just been part of my life throughout. And, uh, Man, I just, but like you said, Darren, it was so hard back in the day for us to try to find, we knew our local tournaments. We, cause I'm, I'm from Dayton, Ohio, and I know you're in Indiana. You from there originally? Yep. Okay. Well then you, yep, were, I've lived in, I've lived in the same town my whole life. So you, you know, the, the, you know, you remember the triple crowns in Erie and Nelsonville and, and, oh, yeah. uh, and, uh, Bedford, Indiana. And those Best were, Bedford. oh, yep. those were the creme de la creme events, you know, back in the day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you'd, you'd have, I know well, I, I did a. I did a, a podcast or you know, interview. I've done a few over the years and back to when I started, I know when, before I won my first IBO world championship in the Melbourne hunter open the, the year previous Dale Jones won. He's a lefty out of Pennsylvania. He won MBO in 1996 and there was 860 
I think, 860 MBO shooters at the World Championship yep. that year. And he won like $6,700. $5,700. And I was like, holy crap. That's a lot of money. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I ended up, ended up winning the next year in 1997. But they had so many people. There was still close to 900 people, I yeah. think, in the class that there was three ranges, like M and N and then M and O. So you could have shot two of any three to qualify. There ended up being like 17 of us in the top five scores, and they paid everybody that made the final. So instead of getting that six or $7,000 that Dale won, I got like 1600 for winning that tournament. I was so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, those too many were people in the finals. Absolutely, those were the days back then. I tell you, that was um, those courses they set in Nelsonville, where I think were some of the toughest in the world. I don't care anybody says they were. I've and, stayed at some ratty get, hotels in Bedford, Indiana. Dude, in man. Bedford, Indiana, and Erie. Huh? I have stayed in some ratty yeah, hotels well, there. I remember we were at. <laughs> yeah. I think I was shooting open freestyle. God, this might have been back in '91 or maybe '89. I was a long time ago, but. Uh, we had we opened up and, and back then ibo was the king there was no known shooting at all and we walked up and i forget we got on that first target and it was like a 54 yard turkey and if you remember the I, the turkeys they were not fanned out mm-hmm. it was like yeah. a, this target was like Jake. literally yeah the jakes and we had the one like a, turkeys, what they call oh, yep. it was football. 54 yards downhill on a slope side side edge slope and i looked up and i said well <laughs> might as well get this five out of the way right now I mean, it was unbelievable. The shot was ridiculous, and that whole course was just a ball buster. But, man, I, I, those IBO Triple Crown events back in the day, they, God, we had a lot of fun. That was a lot of, lot yeah. of fun. We would, Bedford's 40 minutes from my house. We would have to go down on Thursday evening and register, and you would stand in line for over an oh, hour just oh, yeah. to register for the tournament. Yep. It's not like that, it's not like that anymore. Yep. I know. It's crazy. Well, ASA is kind of taking over the and I, I, I how is ibo doing up in the northeast now in the midwest is it still it it's still it's maintaining i won't say it's growing we may see that difference this year but it's maintaining but i mean you used to go to an ibo and, and i don't know i i can't put my finger on exactly what the problem is or what the reason is but if you go to an ibo you can probably count on one hand might have to use a couple extra fingers how many vendors are there now gotcha where before you had like a vegas vendor show yes. there would be 40 or 50 vendors you'd spend two hours walking yeah. around looking at product now like i said it's five to seven vendors and it's really sad because ibo there's nothing like an ibo course nothing like it yeah and it's still tough it's still fun it's still what I cut my teeth on. That's how I learned to be a 3D archer was on IBO courses here yep. in the Midwest. And that's my true love. I love IBO. I love ASA, but it's just not like it used to be. And I really, I don't know if it's because of known distance, um, but I know Brian Markham, president of IBO, he's like, man, as long as I'm here, we're not going to shoot known distance. I appreciate what you guys have done over the years. I know how hard it is to compete and 3D is judging and it's unknown distance. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I mean that's awesome. I appreciate that, but is that what's best for the sport? Well, I, I don't know. And that's I mean, what, I mean, I, I, we, I'm a Bridger. I think you and I debate this a lot. And I'm part of the uh, you know old guard. You know, we I, I remember when 3D was kind of created back in. I think some of it came out of Ohio. I mean, I, I was down in southwestern Ohio, and um, I remember my dad had saved his money to buy a rangefinder back then, and that thing was like a, as big as a book. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was horizontal, and <laughs> well, yeah, that's why everybody. That's why 3D used to be well, and that's all what I'm saying. We yard. created. I think 3D was created because 
we had to go and judge our own yardage at animals and what a great way to practice that to so you can be more effective as a hunter i mean it's really the whole reason yeah and so then you you know you fast forward 20 years you know and now you sit there and say is it a needed skill set within the sport of hunting there's nobody in my opinion 95 percent of guys that walk out in the woods have got a rangefinder in their pocket um, so yeah, is yeah. so is that skill set still needed to become an effective hunter? And I think that's why 3D was once again was created. So now you have this whole debate. You know, should we be? Are we? Are the best archers winning these tournaments, or are the best rangefinders winning the tournament? Let's be honest. Levi probably can judge within a quarter yard better than anybody in the country. You know, Danny probably can judge within a yeah. quarter yard better than right. anybody in the country. You know, there's a lot of people that talk. You know, do, does that make them the best archer? <laughs> Can, can they be beat on any given Sunday given the same amount of information arrow to arrow? And that is I mean, where those two would probably still be successful. I think system. they would be too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I but, think those two still got to figure you know, it out. But you say that, but here, but uh, I don't think they can go up there and just automatically. Well, no, it's like there'll be more parity to it. Well, that's what I'm know. saying. You said it right there. You look at known pro the last two years, you've got parity. You don't know who's going to win on any, any given Sunday. I think, I think Kyle's about Kyle's the only multi, multi-winner. Yeah. Him and Chris Perkins, I say Chris is probably up there pretty high. Householder has, I think yeah. you can throw his name in that mix yeah. too. Yeah. But then you look at the known unknown pro side of it. I mean, both men and women, you literally have the same four people every single tournament. You throw in a fifth, which happens to be, it can switch a lot. You know, like mm-hmm. Jake, Jacob Suzars has come up, come, coming on pretty strong the last couple of years. And But at the end of the day, I think personally it's bad for business i mean if you got the same remember jeff gordon how many how many nascar events yep. did that guy win All of them. in a given <laughs> in a given decade and people it hurt nascar they people got you know why am i going to watch this i don't know who's going to win it's boring i don't want to go watch this guy just go walk away from everything and i think that i think it's going to hurt longevity wise i think that hurts from, sport from an play. entertainment perspective and an entertainment product yeah like having yeah. parity is ideal yeah I'm sure Dan and Levi like winning every tournament. I'd be, I'd be totally fine yeah. winning all of them. But yeah. oh, my deal was I'd said that I think ASA could go all known, and IBO could keep their unknown. Yeah. Then we have all the different organizations right. have their own kind of lane, their genre, yeah. and we can they might be able to work together a little. That's better. actually because really we're the only archery is about the only sport where we have a multitude of different leagues, leagues or organizations that have their own you know, a little narrow avenue of different styles of archery, different disciplines. Right. So why wouldn't you what just if, all go all in on one of them and see what happens? Yeah. Yeah. What if ASA allowed the women's pro, the senior pro, and the men's open pro to shoot both? Or even the known pros to shoot both? What would happen, what would happen if Levi shot... 18 up and made the shoot off in open pro and shot 54 up and also made the shoot off in the known pro. What would that do? That'd be cool. That'd I be mean, wild. I don't see, uh, I'm an equal opportunist. Everybody should have the most opportunity possible to win that's money. Like, that's like when Brady was shooting recurve and then turn yeah. around and shoot 72 yeah. with his compound in the afternoon. Yeah. Like, I'd be, I mean, I'm here for it. I don't know what that's going to do from an organizational standpoint. <laughs> Can yeah, figure out convers- shooting I- times and stuff. Yeah. Had that, I had that conversation with Jeff Hopkins over the weekend. We were on the practice range judging him and Scott were out there, and we crossed paths. We were standing there shooting the breeze. What class you shooting this weekend? Uh, you know exactly what class I'm in. Anyway, that's how the conversation started. And just like this transition to known, 
is taking money out of my pocket. Hundred percent. And I never really looked. I never really looked at it like that. But I mean, he's been around since the early nineties. Right. And mm-hmm. A dominant force, sustaining a high level of competition everywhere he goes, and because he's that good of a yardage judger. Jeff is a good shot. He was a phenomenal shot at one time. He's still a great shot, but he's always been a phenomenal yardage judger. Yep. And transitioning and opening up all these known classes, it's reducing the number of people in the unknown, which in turn, like he said, take the money out of his pocket. He said, why don't they let me shoot both? You know, they're taking money out of my pocket. Give me a chance to compete with the known guys. They gave them their own class because they barked loud enough. Yep. You're taking money away from me because of what 3D archery originated as. Yep. Let me shoot known while I'm here as well. I was like, dude, that would be awesome. I'd pay another 300 bucks to shoot another 40 arrows. I think it'd be great. Yeah. But like I said, and that, that came up in conversation. What happens when, you know, Paige makes both shoot-offs, or Sharon makes both shoot-offs, or Levi makes shoot both shoot-offs, or Dan makes both. What happens then? What does that do? Does that help, or does that hurt? That's I a mean, good question. You know, indiv- from an individual standpoint, it definitely helps. Right. Unlike having twice a yeah. year time. Yeah. Like, I, I, from what, a, if you, what if you won both shooting a Matthews? 25 grand in contingency. What if you won both shooting a Leaf? 25 grand in contingency. Yeah. That's awesome, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It'll be mentally and physically draining from some for some archers oh it'd be impossible I mean, it's, it's, oh yeah um, you'll be yeah. drained mentally but i mean it's yeah worth it maybe worth it the opportunist in me but says I, yeah so we practicing judging yeah it wouldn't be worth me lighting 300 dollars on fire to shoot the unknown division yeah <laughs> exactly but but like like levi and dan i think they would be extremely competitive at the known distance you know andy calloway joseph goza Jack Wallace. I mean, I can just, I could rattle off a ton of names. Right. I would love to shoot known, but me being my age and starting when I did and knowing what I know about judging distance, that's a huge arrow in my quiver. I, when I'm on, I feel like I can judge really well. And if you shoot pretty decent and you judge pretty well, you've got a good chance of being competitive. But yep. I would love to go out there and just click it and go, okay, it's 49.3, aim right there. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. Because if it's 49.3 and I'm guessing, I don't always aim right there. I'm aiming safer, adding number, yeah. or doing something different. So but I, meant, I think it would just be exciting. I miss judging. You know, I, I've said it a couple of times. And last year I shot a, a local shoot with Bridger and I shot half mm-hmm. known and half unknown. And it, it's funny how you'd be surprised just looking at targets for the last five, six years through a rangefinder, just that target recognition, like judging came back really, really easy. Yeah. And I actually mm-hmm. judged really darn good. You that shot day. well that day. Yeah. I think I shot yeah. 14 up on the unknowns or on the known side. And then I turned around and shot four up judging. So, and yeah. then I was just shooting half and half, but that was, I don't know. I, I'm on the fence about it. I like the idea of giving those guys equal opportunity to shoot both classes, but at the same time, that argument that 3d was, uh, you know, built around judging yardage i think holds the place like i like what y'all said about a ibo having its own lane I, and asa but given these yeah. top end archers and I, I think i think really what, what i'm hearing is i'm just listening and taking it all in it's giving the top archers in on the world the opportunity to basically put on a show like hey not only can we judge, we can shoot. This shooting a bow is our craft, and these are just different opportunities to go out here and show you, you know, hey, this is what we can do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I still yeah. like the idea of everything going all known in the ASA, all unknown IBO. Yeah. NFA has their indoor schedule and all that stuff. USA has their FIDA. 
you know, everybody's kind of got their own lane because, I mean, you look at how courses in the ASA are set up. They like, need to be further, like my opinion. Well, okay, but they're so the way they're set up, you're on a grass lane, yeah, flat ground the whole time. Right. You might shoot in between a couple yeah. trees They'll here and there, but like that's not like an okay. If we say that uh, 3D should be based on the original idea of it, you know, learning to judge distance right. so that for a hunting situation, like right. how often are you hunting in a, a grass field? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, with perfectly trimmed lanes, nothing right. in the way. <laughs> right. Like ASA is a precision shooting style of 3D. Right. You're, mm -hmm. You know, you're playing risk reward with that lower or upper 12. IBO, I would consider that more of an actual hunting situation. Because no you 100% could be standing up on top of the hill and see a turkey or deer, or, oh, yeah. you know, whatever other exotic animal they got for all their shit <laughs> down at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> and you got to, you know, look at all cut. the dips and rises, right. the cut, the trees in the way. And you're shooting the center IBO 11. Yeah. So, it, so that, that's a true kill. I mean, it's Well, it's true kill, but you're getting 100% rewarded for judging the distance, right? right. Because you're, I'm, Darren, you can tell me you're not because I haven't shot an IBO in like 15 years, but I can't imagine you're never not aiming at the 11 ring. Oh, yeah, you aim, you aim at center every time. Yeah, yeah. so now, it's him, it's 100% a... a, a do something. Oh, yeah, he, I'm sure he has something with whack yeah, he does. He'll find like a white dot on a fallow deer and be like, okay, I'm going to aim at that white dot and add seven yards, and then I'll probably hit the 11. You know well, yeah, but his... He, but, he, his ideal arrow impact is the center of the 11 ring. Yeah. So like you're never, exactly, yeah. yeah, you're never aiming at a target in a weird way. Wow. Well, in case I don't have enough, I'm going to aim at the top of the 12 or yeah. uh, I'm going to add a yard so I can aim at this at the bottom of the 12 or somebody else's arrow is like, I would yep. consider ASA more precision style 3d. Whereas IBO, you're always rewarded for judging the distance. Correct. And 100%. that's like the yeah, number you, one game. That's the number one thing in that game is judging. So yeah, I mean, you have to manage. You have to manage the course at an ASA. You have to pick your battles. Right. Yeah. At an IBO, you're just you're aiming middle of the ten. I mean, it's a. It, there's no. There's no strategy out there. Judge it. Aim middle of the ten. That's mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So, Pull and pray. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> if you are, these scores really going right now in the ASA, and there's got. I know there's a lot of talk about it. I hear the chatter all the time. You know, is it time that we move these targets back to sixty? Fifty-five. Known, yes. For the known yeah for the known now some some venues uh, you probably couldn't i mean it's a it's some it's a lot of work for somebody to take the existing ranges that they've shot uh with the exception of illinois illinois you could a hundred yards if you wanted to right, mm -hmm. um, right but like london kentucky you could back people out into the power line but then it would be so miserable that <laughs> everybody be bitching and moaning yeah, like we used to yeah no, nobody'd come back yep but uh but i do think that if the known distance with the way the scores are that 60 yard max on that course would be freaking awesome i think that would be awesome yeah i agree i think it's something needs to be done it's just getting crazy a 60 yard wolverine i mean man can Oof, you imagine that'd that be a no, nightmare, bro. that'd be a nightmare yeah Looks right. like a little cat turd laying out there on the <laughs> Exactly what it looks like. Yeah, no kidding. Especially at 7.30 in the morning. Yeah. 7.30 in the morning, yeah. staring directly into the sun. Oh, yeah. That's it par changed, for the course. It changes that whole game. You know, that guy that's shooting, you know, 58 up, if he steps up and drops the five right there, he opens the door for eight yeah. or nine other people to get in the show. I mean, it, it changes the whole outcome. Yeah. 
Well, these guys are aiming at 12s at 50. I mean, that's what they're doing. There's no secret. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know that it ever, I mean, I'll add a little bit of yardage if I'm playing safe or right. take some off if I'm shooting at the top. But right. like, I've, I've never not tried to fire on the 12 ring. Right. Would you do that at 60 on a Havelina? Yeah, probably. <laughs> you were crazy, Shit, bro. it's 10 extra yards. Yeah, like, that's, a less, that's a game changer. <laughs> I might add a few more clicks than I normally would. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But. Yeah, that would, I, I think it needs to be done. I, I'd hope that, uh, that you know, the, Get on to the question because this was something a topic came up last night over over dinner, um, and I, me and Bridger have been bitching about this for the last couple of years. You know, for the amount of money the pros pay to shoot these courses, and we're we're putting in a bulk of that a bulk of that cash. I think we need to have our own practice range. Like that a, would be amazing. Say, so did you have any range. any practice range any? nightmares this past weekend? Was well, it? I. I I don't even understand, and I'm not not complaining. I just it was an observation I made this weekend. I've seen it multiple times, but it really hit me this weekend because I've got the trailer, I've got the truck, I'm carrying stuff to and from every day. Right. And we pull into the sponsor parking lot. Yep. Sponsor parking lot. How many freaking sponsors do they have? Because there's about <laughs> 200 cars in I the know, sponsor right? parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I promise you, I paid way more money my sponsorship than a lot of the people I park next to. Yep, yep, you know, yep. and not not me personally, but the company that I work for, the outdoor group pays a pile of money. And then I walk in, and I have some girl that works for the Girl Scouts telling me I got to park all the way down by the woods. Are you, <laughs> me? you know, yep, <laughs> yep. So yeah, park there's, next to me. There's, <laughs> yeah, Jason gets a porn star parking. And, and 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 fully deserved, you know. I'm not complaining about that at all. But Come I'm park next to me. I'll yeah. pick you up next time. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to ride with you. I'll there you go. There we go. That's what you do. I, I got the I got the sponsor pass. We'll just use your parking spot. <laughs> there you go. Put some pegs <laughs> on the back of your chair. <laughs> there you go. No, but there it is. You know, it's. I don't know. I've said it before because I don't even sign up for practice range anymore because it's worthless. I don't like waiting two to three hours to shoot a you know shoot my yeah. bow ten times and. It, yeah. it just becomes an issue for us as you know on the pro side of it because we are not getting um any i don't know when we pay that kind of money i would my expectation and me and bridget were talking imagine if we had a pro course just for our practice the the asa would benefit because all they're going to do is replace a core and they got a brand new target we're not we're not yeah. shooting in the head we're not shooting in the butt you know we're not shooting, missing it mm -hmm. Well, and just from a competitive standpoint, like how many how many guys, at least on our range, because we're always aiming at them, like right. how many guys does it take five to seven targets to start hitting them? Exactly. Like Mike the Mike uh, Schlosser on the first day, I shot with him, and he hit, it took him seven targets to hit one, and then he hit eight of the last ten. Yeah, exactly. Imagine, I'm, I told right him, I'm like, imagine if you had like 30, 45 minutes of extra practice shooting at fresh rings yeah. on the target. Because yeah. by Friday, those everything the is shot out on that. Yeah. Thursday... I got out on the practice range finally and was shooting at 14s because it was the only thing you see. Well, no, it was the only ring that wasn't blown out. Shot out, yeah. yeah. The only ring that was still well, a ring. It, it, the way it's set up puts everybody in an awkward position because I'm not looking for special treatment, but I'm also looking to get some good practice in for the money and time I've spent to get to that yeah, for the weekend. Right. And I know there's... I know there's open stakes on that range at times, but when you walk by people that have been sitting in line for an hour and a half yeah. to go down and find that open stake, then you're an asshole. Yep. Man, you see what he did? I, but again, I, I don't need my own personal practice range, but for 
what would they do without the pros for the pro-am record attendance this weekend i mean that's yeah. a big draw for them yeah. you know they're someone's making money off the pros being there and and again i'm not being critical so if anybody's listening to this thinking oh there's just complaining about i'm not complaining about asa at all i love it i love everything about it but it would be awesome because i can i can count on both hands and probably both feet the number of times i've walked out to a practice range turn the corner and see this line of traffic yeah we've been waiting for an hour and 10 minutes yeah i'm yeah. going right back to the truck or yep. i'm going back to the bag that's exactly i'm not going to sit there and wait that long no. shoot i'm not well no. hell, hell on saturday morning because Paige couldn't get out there she went over to art's trailer and bought one of the the little center section deer targets yep. and yeah. walked it out yeah. onto the bags range so yeah. that she could shoot at some foam before wow. the round yeah that's a yeah, great idea actually yeah that's what she said she said I, I hit differently on the dots than i do the animals and yep. i'm just going to get one of these and go over and set it by the bags and i'm going to make sure i'm hitting good on this so i'm ready when i get out there because you can't you can't go stand in line you know especially when we go to fort benning uh, we'll shoot at 7 30 saturday morning that's oh, 7 30 it's still Eastern. dark it, it's it's barely daylight so dude, we're, there, hell go. there's yeah there's people they everybody will shine their headlights onto the bag so we yeah. can yeah. guys can oh, watch yeah. up. A, or that or they actually have lights they have lights last year out they there. put lights out there because mm -hmm. we shot under those lights you know just to get some reps yeah. in but yeah i i'm like you darren i'm not complaining because i love asa but i'm just looking at ways that they can improve the the quality of the tournament and i've i've said this for two or three years now that you know the amount of money we pay you know the, and here's the other thing i mean how many of those guys out there say 120 pros there's probably 150. I have 150 pro archers. Some of those guys, this is how they make their money. Their, their livelihood yeah. is centered around yeah. that. And for so for us to be able to go on our own practice range, and that's the other thing, we're not going to take, you know, I'm not knocking amateurs at all, but, you know, you, you know as well as I do, they'll get on those practice ranges and shoot three or four arrows, you know, in one, yeah. at one target. Yeah. We're going to make one shot. We're going to move on to the next one, try to figure it out. We're going to make one shot, move on to the next one, and, I, and look at us as you know even our pro courses we get done a hell of a lot earlier than the amateurs because we just yeah it's what we do we go there we shoot our bow yeah. and we move we shoot more move, shoot, move. Yeah. yeah we're just more efficient and yeah and i just i i strongly believe that we need to have that because it would help us out so much and maybe i'm just yeah. being biased i, I mean i'll just complain because no, we're their product they we're the product that they're making money off of. absolutely we, we deserve respect yeah. damn it damn it no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i shot I shot eight arrows. I judged 120 targets Wednesday, and then Wednesday afternoon went back out with my bow and judged and shot eight targets on the practice range. That was my 128 targets. Yeah. Other than that, I used the Pro-Am Thursday as my 3D practice for the weekend. I shot yeah. 10 targets with my bow, and then when we're done, stay stay after and judge and you know make sure, okay, I'm calibrated. This is what I want to see. But those 10 targets – that's my 3D practice for the whole freaking yeah. weekend because yeah, I won't go stand in line. A lot, yeah, so a lot of guys will do that and the dude, GPO. I shoot the GPO for my practice. Mm -hmm. I, I don't care. I'll pay the 20 bucks mm -hmm. to shoot the GPO course, and I do it probably two to three times in a weekend, and I'll shoot it that is, just for practice. That is that is now the elite archery. Known oh, distance. that's right. That. Oh, they need archery known distance. It's the That's elite right, archery. I didn't, go. Right. I didn't go. I didn't go. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't know that. Boom. So you guys yeah. are sponsoring the uh, the, the, the known new, distance, the new, no distance practice. precision. Oh, yep. That's yep. bad. A. They wanted to. They wanted to use the optics sponsor. You know, it was GPO. It used to be the Brunton. You know, whatever it's been in the past. Yeah. They wanted to use an optics sponsor. Well, we had meetings with the ASA 
about the new classes, the new known pro, the women's known pro. And we were sponsoring an event. We did Fort Benning last year. We did Coleman or the Classics the year before or something. Well, that's a big price tag. Oh, yeah. And we're like, okay, we're, we're spreading out pretty thin. Let's negotiate where our dollars would best suit you guys and best suit us. And they were like, we got people standing in line to sponsor an event. People standing in line for it. I'm like, okay. And they're like, well, Darren, what do you get out of sponsoring an event? I said, you know what I do different at our event that I do at every other event? They're like, what? I said, I put out about 14 real estate signs that say Elite Archery and hang some banners up throughout the venue. That's what we do different for that money. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and Josh told us, he said, I would rather see you guys support the new classes with contingency and let's find another way to advertise your dollars. Uh, and we'll let some of these other people that are beating our door down to sponsor an event. So I said, if the known distance shoot ever comes up, well, Corinne, actually, that was her idea. What can we do? And I'm like, yeah. So I started the communication with it. And they're like, we'd really like to be an optic sponsor. But then they called us last minute and said, hey, GPO's not doing this anymore. Do you guys want it? I said, hell yeah, we do. Heck yeah. So we That's don't awesome. sponsor an event anymore, but we get talked about at every event now because it's the elite known distance shoot. Yeah. And then we are paying the same contingency in the new we pay five thousand two thousand one thousand in both of the new uh pro classes to match senior pro and women's pro so um there's a lot of money potentially that could be spent but we're going to get a lot of marketing value out of those dollars heck yeah yeah. man that's awesome dude i mean that i because i love that shoot it's what i besides shooting the actual scoring tournament rounds it is my practice and Mm -hmm. i'll pay an average of 40 to 60 bucks a tournament just so to get that's out there probably most of the 3D targets I shoot yep. that aren't competitive targets. actually pretty targets. smart. I thought, never thought about doing that. Oh, so that's all I do now. I mean, you cannot wait. The in targets those lines are better, for, too. The targets are usually always in good shape. You don't, those are the you targets rarely, that I bought last year. Right. Yeah. I and bought of course. And if you do it on Friday after your round, they're shot up just enough that you never you have to wonder where you're aiming at. <laughs> lines are all blown out. You He's can right. miss it by a half inch and He's still right. grab them. <laughs> and then with the beautiful part is if you go out there and use it as practice, which you're not putting the pressure on yourself to go win, Dude, you'd be surprised. You can win some jack. Yeah. I, I won the senior yeah. one last year at, uh, like at Benny, bucks. I think it was, and I won some damn good money. I couldn't believe yeah, it. That's, that's a, it's a, and it, and it's a, again, that's a, I haven't shot it in a long time, but now that we're sponsoring it and stuff, and, and again, I'm, I'm not going to go spend two hours waiting to practice. I can no. get a tee time. I can show up and shoot my yep. 10 targets. Yep. And, um, you know, having the booth there, and that's kind of like one of my – that is my main responsibility while I'm there, you know, having that trailer and stuff. But I would like to carve out some time to start shooting that since, A, we are sponsoring it, and, B, I could use another 10 targets to practice on for yep. the weekend. Yep, absolutely. Hey, real quick, and I know we're going to wrap it up because we've been on a while. I wanted you to talk through a little bit the equipment this year. I mean, your guys' new Elite Verdict is arguably probably one of the best target bows, I think, out in the last – I don't know last five or six years um you guys did a lot of changes off, off the result platform um you mm-hmm. know it's funny i was talking to josh you know we were i took josh and those guys on an elk hunt me and blake and josh and tommy and, oh, yeah. and paul Gio. and i'll never forget i was sitting around a campfire and i told josh flat out because i thought the for me i thought the uh, the envision was arguably just the best bow. bow that you guys have built in forever and I, I remember telling Josh, do me a favor, just make that envision and add like six inches, three on each side, <laughs> three on top, three on bottom, and you'll have the best target bow that I think I'll ever shoot. And I think they did exactly that, at least. Yep. And I yep. tell you, what, what's what's the feedback on the verdict? What are you loving about it? I mean, are the are your customers, you know, excited as I am about it? Um, 
What, what do you think? Josh Josh actually went to Fort Benning with us this weekend. He called me, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, and he's like, hey. I was like, what? He's like, man, I'm getting an itch to go to a tournament. Because he didn't go to Vegas. He went to Lancaster, which it's just a, a short drive down from the factory to Lancaster. Right. But he said, I'm getting an itch. And I said, dude, I said, we're getting a house. I said, we got room. I said, come on. So he booked a flight, got a car, flew down there Wednesday afternoon. He spent the whole weekend with us. And he even said, he's like out practicing, out shooting his round. He came back in. He's like, holy shit. I said, what? He goes, there's a lot of verdicts out here this weekend, you know? And, and it's, it's the best selling target bow we've ever had. And I'm excited about it because it is a good bow. I mean, we've built some bows in the past that were good, and you had to say they were good. May, they may not have been the greatest, but Agreed. this one, with 100% conviction, if you don't, if you're not brand loyal, if you don't have to have a Matthews or you don't have to have a point, and I think you're doing yourself a service. We have a we have a very shooter friendly bow lineup. The carbon bow's new for us this year. And, and Blake can probably speak to this better than me, but I know it's been it's been better received than they ever could have dreamt. I know they have blown the forecast away on what they thought they would sell, and now they're like, holy crap, how are we going to keep up with this demand? And that's a good thing because we're getting new customers from that. We're, we're getting people that have been brand loyal in the past to come over and try it again, and we're getting – we're clawing away at market share. Um we don't want to be number one. We're not trying to be Matthews. We just want our piece of the pie, you know? So I think our bows, the Omnia is fast. I'm not a speedbow guy. I'm not a reflex riser guy. That bow doesn't trip my trigger. Uh, and I'm not saying that bad. It just doesn't. A, a fast hunting bow means nothing to me. Um, a shooter friendly carbon bow. That's pretty cool. Cause we've never had that before. So, but this new target bow, man, I just, I can't say enough about it, especially switching hands i'm like hypercritical on my setup on my tune my holding weight my stabilizer positions i can feel and see differences every time i make an adjustment and the bow responds you know the worst thing you could have done in the past is take a saw limbo of ours throw it in the press shim the cams take it back out and it didn't change a daggone thing and our new stuff, all of our boats for the past two or three years, I feel like they're really responsive. When you make an adjustment, you see instant results. And that's so good, A, for the dealer, because you look like a hero to your customer. Hey, man, I can tune this bow in just a few seconds. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But, but to the shooter, if he's not a really good bow mechanic, we've given him probably too many tools to take home and say, I can tinker. I've seen tracks in cams flat where the, where the anodizing's were off because they've moved their draw length from a quarter to a half, from an eight to a quarter to, you know, whatever. We've given them too much to play with. But I really think we've got a strong lineup. Our sales are proving that we've got a strong lineup. And I just think the momentum that the brand has behind it right now is is as good as it's ever been. Man, I tell you, you you hit the nail on the head. I I used to have a saying in this industry that, you know, if you open a shop and you want to get a good bow that you can tune and and it's easy to tune, I always said it was Bowtech. Bowtech with their – they're yep. dual yoke systems and they're now, I mean, they've always been a good, easy bow to tune. And now you all are, have got a bow that, like you said, has got every tuning option available. Um, if you can't tune it, you need to go find another line of work because it's pretty goddamn yeah. easy. Um, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I just, and I'm just amazed that, you know, for me, I will tell you that the bow this year points and aims better than any bow you guys built in the past. I, I love the I way that bow so points. Too. Yeah. I think so too. And I think now, 
there, there's there's customers out there that feel like they've they've been you know, the redheaded stepchildren of the archery world. Lefties, you know, I, I I feel that pain now. I get it, you know. Left-handed bows come out weeks and months after <laughs> yeah. uh, right-handed bows do. I get that, but we offer now even our ember basin terrain. You can get them both dexterity, right and left-handed bows. So right. from entry level the ember the basin mid-level to the terrain to the flagship if you want aluminum you want carbon you want a target bow that i guarantee you will shoot with any bow on the market i we, we hit the whole customer base so yep. uh i know there's dealers out there that have been burnt in the past with the option or whatever they've had trouble with doing business with tog man we're we're as good as we've ever been right now in my opinion yep. and and i just think i think we have a really inclusive lineup um, we got some pretty good bows and as a dealer, I would want that hanging on my hook. Cause like you said, it's easy to work on and I have an offering for any customer oh. that walks in my door. I, it's a no brainer for yeah, me. Absolutely. It is a complete no brainer. That's why for us, it's just a, it's an easier sell. It's an easier transition. You know, when you have to make adjustments, everything is just simpler and it's just, uh, it's awesome. So we're, we're excited for you guys, you know, as a supporting dealer and, and we are, we're rocking it with the with the brand right now, and I'm I'm excited. I just wanted to hear, get your yeah. feedback because that verdict's a hell of a bow. I mean, it's it's I, a damn good bow. I think I think so too. I've just got two right now. I got literally an indoor and an ASA, and I was sitting there thinking as I was booking my flights ready, man, I'd really like to get another bow. And I'm like, <laughs> do I need a sixty or do I need a sixty five? What am I going to do with this bow? But, right. Uh, it's uh, I'd like to get another one on order. I I don't know if I need three or four. I've always had three or four in the past just to have them, but I'm like, man, you could simplify things if you just shot two bows. You know, it's funny. That's probably the number one disagreement in this facility is that I I used to, you know, when I shot for Hoyt, I remember I had four Hoyts. I had one for 3D, one for (laughs) field, one for uh, indoor. But I always shot my orange bow because it just shot better than the others. So then it got to the point where my other ones collected dust. I just make the the adjustments on my rest and everything for different arrow diameters. And I just had more, it had better mojo for me. I I know Bridger. well, they have different personalities. When I shot, I shot for Matthews for 11 years, and that was during the Apex 8, the big, long, solo cam Apex 8. And that's when I was doing my best com- competition and winning the most money I've won was during that Apex 8 era. And over those years, I had collected 18 of those. I had every color, duplicates of some, but I had 18 of those bows hanging in the basement. I would only shoot four of them. Because yeah. I couldn't get the others to shoot the thing. Exactly. And I'm like, it's got to exactly. be the limbs. It's I can measure them. I can build the strings exactly. I can shoot the exact same diameter servings. I can tune them the same way, but they just had different personalities. Absolutely. And I agree with you 100%. Some bows do shoot better than others. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. You can blue, I used to do what I call blueprinting a bow. I'd make those bows identical down to the poundage, the draw length, <laughs> yep. everything, and blueprint both yep. of them. And one of them, for some stupid reason, would just shoot better. I mean, it felt better, it's shot crazy. better. It's crazy. It's totally, totally weird. But, yeah. but Darren, agree. we appreciate you being on, man. This has been a heck of a lot of fun. Um, I, I like to do it again sometime. I mean, and, and talk about maybe towards the end of the season, see how you're doing. And um, we Any always time, yeah, yeah. And, and it's always going to be good. You. It's always going to be good Sorry, to see I, you. No, you're fine. <laughs> the delay. Good to see you out on the tour. Hopefully, I'll get my butt out there on this next one if I can find some help that will stay in the shop and run the damn thing. But um, yeah, man, yeah. but it's but it's been a it's been a great conversation. I mean, we probably could have talked another hour. I was looking at the clock, thinking, "Holy crap, I got an appointment at ten o'clock." <laughs> yeah, I make. did. I did a I did a podcast with a guy last week um, out of Wyoming. He's like, you know, well, I said, dude, if we get talking, we could go for hours. I'm yeah. telling you, we can go for. Hours. 
And next thing you know, he's like, it's been an hour and 20 minutes. I said, I told you. So <laughs> exactly. I like, exactly. I love to talk archery, but no, I appreciate you guys reaching out and, uh, thanks for having me on. And if you want to do it again, man, I'd be flattered to talk about some bows and arrows again. That sounds good, brother. Well, if I don't see you, good luck out there. Keep, keep hammering and you're you're on your way. just for damn sure. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, and, and thanks again. I'll keep hammering away. Okay, buddy. We'll good talk to hear to you later. from you. All right. See y'all. That's a good conversation. He's a good, good man. Mm-hmm. Good man. All right. We're going to wrap it up, folks. I did have a 10 o'clock appointment. The guy, I'm 20 minutes late. Sucks. But, yeah, Blake just took his headphones off. He's a rookie. <laughs> you hear, he's you been hear been all the chattering and everything in the background right now. You hear him, like the speaker going crazy. It's Blake. Yeah, he just, he's been working. <laughs> he's been working this whole time. Yeah. You, you hung up. And he's doing nothing but working. He took his headphones off. You know, this is honestly, this is honestly the quietest I've ever heard this guy ever in my entire life he's working normally that mouth is running 20 miles a second you know just and he said it was printing orders over here life of a salesman <laughs> all right guys listen we appreciate you listening um catch up with us if you need anything else and you know we're, we've talked about this real quick jason and i've been talking about maybe trying to uh, increase the content you know we got a couple phone calls in the last two weeks from guys from around the country actually saying that they love the podcast just called to thank us um and the one common denominator between those two guys, and I've heard this from many other people, not enough content, not as, not as, not, not enough, not often enough. So we're quality based. Yeah, I know. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that though. And so we yeah. need we we have lives. That's why we have stories to tell. Yeah, I know. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll catch you on the other side. Take care. Bye.